Hi, everyone. This is just a production note before we get started with the show. We wanted to give you a quick spoiler warning because there are book spoilers throughout the episode. So if you don't want that and you haven't read the books yet, probably skip this episode and come back to it after you have read the books. Or if you don't mind and just want to listen to us chat, that's fine. Keep listening. Also, keep in mind, this is more of a relaxed roundtable-like format than previous episodes. So with that in mind, we hope you enjoy the show. Demons discuss the binge. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We are your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. And we're not alone today. Who do we have with us, Jean? Mod Renee from the All Souls Discussion Group. Yay! Yay! Welcome. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Or whatever time of the day it is for you, audience. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Yes. Ah. Though you probably won't get much sleep if you're trying to listen to this before you want to go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) What are we talking about today, Angela? We are talking about a Discovery of Witches, the entire season, the binge watch, the binge read, the binge everything. It's the binge. Oh, my God. (laughs) We may not get done talking about this, but we're going to try to keep it compact, audience. We're going to try to keep it together. Yeah, we should probably mention our random patron sponsor. Sponsors. Sponsors. You know why we have sponsors? Because Maude Renee said we are going to have sponsors today. (laughs) (laughs) Special shouts to our patron sponsors. We have Dora Flores Ryan. Yay! Yay! My sweet Dora. (laughs) (laughs) And Wendy McNeil. Yay! Yay! Sound like minions. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Wendy. Wendy, Thank we love you. you. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Dora, for sponsoring us and being patrons of the show and uh, keeping yeah. us sane. Put that Keep, on the list too. And keeping us sane. Yes. Yeah. We should probably talk about our patron sponsorship. The show is brought to you by listeners like you guys. They help us keep us afloat. They help us pay for a lot of things that wind up being really pricey and so, really important and important. <laughs> so you kind of need microphones. <laughs> Microphones are important. Otherwise, it would sound like we were talking to you from a tin can, and uh, it's not really good. So, <laughs> Not to forget the apps that we are using today that allow us to have guests like Renee and Deb Harkness and Shelly Carter and Laura, Laura from the con, and who knows who will be coming up in the coming months. Yeah. Thank you, patrons. And if you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. So we're going to kind of ease back into our normal format. And we're going to start off with some discusser emails. But first, we have a speak pipe from Lauren. Yay. 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 Lauren is a lovely voice. Hi, demons. It's Lauren. Just wanted to chat with you about the new TV series. I am really surprised that I found myself feeling a lot of empathy for many of the characters that I didn't really have a great connection with in the book. Um, I really enjoyed seeing all of the extra scenes we got outside of Diana and Matthew's perspective, it really broadened my view of the whole All Souls universe and opened up my mind to things that I didn't think I would understand or sympathize with. 
So that was kind of a new revelation to me and pretty exciting that there are new pathways to explore in the series. Bye now. Bye, Lauren. Bye, Lauren. Thank you. Did you guys find yourself? I mean, I know you and me and Angela have talked about this gene, Uh but Renee, did you find yourself sympathizing with other characters that you didn't have sympathy for before? I mean, in terms of the the bad bad guys, maybe a little bit um, initially for Juliet. Unfortunately, I think by the time the 08 episodes were over, I found that that had gone away relatively quickly um (laughs) you know i mean i really wanted uh you know for juliet you know to see some good in her eyes and you know i i I look at the eyes a lot and i thought maybe at you know a couple of moments show to show with her that maybe it was there that maybe somewhere in those eyes you know was good but when she got up and walked out of that church she had a choice and she went right to madison and, and at that point i had just realized no no uh, not <laughs> not not with her um right. however what i did manage to learn is i don't dislike baldwin anymore um <laughs> oh, I to be uh, post in the group like okay guys I, I was wrong and I, you know, I said to Gene I'm like give me the boss image because I have to do it you know and, and I don't think I just couldn't bring myself to like him um, for reasons that may not make sense to most people I, I kind of am Baldwin you know and I yeah. think you know for me to connect with his character um, you know I think I, I wanted to, to not do that because I always feel like if Baldwin fails and then somehow, like, oh my goodness, maybe I would, I might fail too. Um, right. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in his mission to sort of protect the family and, you know, to do the things that he has to do. But, you know, you just see him on the show and it's like, how can you not like this guy? Right. Um, right. You know, I mean, he really is in such a difficult position. And, you know, and there's Matthew doing what Matthew does so well, which is getting himself in trouble or not. Yeah. Or not. You know, yet again, not making the right decision or, you know, all of those things. And and you just see, um, you know, Baldwin and his eyes go up into his head like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Um, Again. Yeah, because this has been going on for hundreds of years, not just 15 minutes, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, but getting to see him sort of outside of Diana's perspective and, you know, seeing him interact with the congregation and, and looking at all of the things that are pulling and tugging on him, you know, on a daily basis, not just the family, but, you know, the business side of things and the congregation side of things. And I'm like, this guy's just overloaded. <laughs> um, you know, and really was able to better connect with him. Um, so that was like the big aha for me, um, you know, yeah. with, the, with the TV show. And I, I don't think there were any characters that were different from the book. Like I said, my revelation was Emily. And I don't think like, oh, well, she's different in the TV show than she was in the book. That's why I like her now. It's just, you, she's not different. You just see a different side or more. You see more of her. Exactly. Baldwin or Gerber or Domenico or whoever. It just seems like more of the nuances brought out. Yes. Yeah. It's easier to see it visually too when the actors come out and you see their pain and you see the perspective. It's not just because sometimes uh, I know I'm a very visual person. Sometimes when I read something, it just comes out really flat and I'm like, what is this character? What? Like Emily came off very 
Noodly da to me. Noodly. <laughs> she's right. Noodling. Yeah, she's just yeah. a noodle. Just a, just a general nice person. Nothing really, you know, nothing really stood out about her to me, except when I saw her on the TV show. Mm-hmm. Then I can see the pain she was going through. I could see what she was trying to do. And that's kind of a whole different thing. And with mm-hmm. other characters like Sarah, I knew she was going through that all along because I could relate to her a little more than I could mm-hmm. Emily. Right. So to see it on screen was just like, oh, I get it. I understand, right. Sarah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think, you know, and, and episode seven, I mean, episode seven, I just love it top to bottom. And, and I watch it all the time. Um, and a lot of it really has to do with Sarah. And, and it's not just the coffee thing, <laughs> which, um, you know, I obviously, you know, I like about her. But, you know, the, the struggle that I've always had with Sarah is I think there's a side of her that we don't get to see in the books. And we don't get to see it because she would never show it to Diana. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, she is going to be in control and and tough as nails because she has to be that. In her mind, she has to be that for Diana at all times. So we would never have an opportunity to see Sarah break down and cry like that mm-hmm. from where Diana sits. It has to be, you know, in a completely different either book or in the TV show. So when we got to see that, I was like, thank you. Um, <laughs> because, I, I mean, I know it's there. I understand Sarah just as much as I understand Baldwin. I really, I really do. And, you know, and there's a part of me that's very much like that as well. And it's like, yes, people can finally see it because you're, we're not looking at it through Diana's perspective. Yeah, great point. Yeah. Um, well, I, I would add to that for me, Sarah was a revelation. And I think it was primarily because we weren't seeing her through Diana's eyes because for me, the aha moment was, oh my God, she's been living with all this frustration for 25 years. I mean, it clicked in episode one, the look on her face when Diana hung up on her on the phone and she just holds it up like, what? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Are you kidding me? And in that moment, for me, it kind of solidified that from Sarah's perspective, she's been dealing with a perpetual teenager for 20 some years, yeah. you know, for well, 20 years. And even before that, she was dealing with Rebecca Bishop. I mean, she's Rebecca's yes. younger sister and you know, and here, and she's less powerful per se than Rebecca. And here's Rebecca out there making the choices that she was making, and Sarah can't protect her either. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where Sarah just seems to have been living this lifelong struggle of trying the bag. to. I mean, yeah, she's the she, one that's stuck holding the bag, and it's like, what really do I do is. with this? She really is. And um, Alex Kingston's just fabulous. Oh yeah, I oh. I love her. <laughs> I love yeah. her. She's got the same, the right amount of. I really want to punch somebody and like, I don't know whether to punch them or hug them. So I'm just going right. to stand here and be frustrated and simmer and seize. Exactly. And she plays that so well. I mean, she really does. Yeah. Her, and you, like you mentioned, Renee, her eyes are everything. I mean, right. express yeah. so much just through her eyes. Yeah. To I, uh, me, Sarah is always like, what now? Yes. Seriously? <laughs> well, yeah. well, if, if you remember in our early episodes, I approached, because it was seven years ago when we stumbled upon, when I stumbled upon a discovery of witches. So I approached Sarah through Diana's lens because that's Harla was only five. Mm-hmm. So I was when she would have called uh, Diana, I would be like, "Go away!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. now, seven years later, I'm the mom. Harla's right. now twelve, going on thirteen. So I approach life through Sarah's eyes. <laughs> <Exactly>. So <Yeah. laughs> it's completely different. Exactly. Yeah. 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 How about call once in a while? Yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and as we sit sit here right now, it's like. 
how how is the situation that Sarah's in any different than the situation that Baldwin's in? I mean, she may yeah, not have yeah. as many of the outside obligations tugging at her, but she's stuck with this family that is like, what are you doing? I can't, you know, Diana and Matthew, in a way, are so much alike in that they're reactionary or it's sticking their head in the sand and... Mm-hmm. and it's like what now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they really are the same. <laughs> they they should answer the phone like that. What now? Yeah. Well, what did I have? Bald, bald was like, "What do you have him have the family on the contact list? What the fuck now?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's move on with our discusser emails. Jean, you ready to tackle yours? Oh yes, I'm ready to tackle mine. Um, okay, and uh, mine is from Nancy, and Nancy says. Hi, demons. I love the series and thought they did a great job bringing the story to life. There were times that I felt it was a bit rushed, but I'll take what I can get. Love seeing the different perspectives and what was going on behind the scenes. I did wish that there was a bit more Baldwin being badass, but we can't always get what we want. Thanks for the great podcast, Nancy. I totally agree with you, Nancy. I want an all Baldwin episode, but we're not going to get it. So I can do it. Get him ripping off Dracula's head in season two. Oh, or just, you know, being, being, I was going to say, I kind of like, like to see him corner ethical witch dude and, and get some information out of him. That might be. Thank fun. you. Thank Sig- you. Sigismund. <laughs> witch dude. Yeah, well, as I, as I, I never remember his name. I was even looking for it last night. I'm like, witch dude, what's his name? I don't even know. That's why we just call him ethical witch dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Valerie, there's a picture uh, out there when they had costume hangers and it does say Sigismund, but you have to now change it to Ethical Witch Dude. <laughs> I think that's a general consensus, Nancy. Yeah, Nancy. You hit the nail um, on the head. Uh, I think we all want more. It's like, how well would the story be served if we had two more episodes for season one? Mm-hmm. Yes. But uh, uh, we understand the budget constraints and we mm-hmm. understand, hey, no, someone took a chance on this and like, okay, we'll give you eight episodes. And it's like, ah, that's not enough but <laughs> but you know you know what the eight episode and then i also some people are like well we could have just done eight episodes why they add all that extra stuff it's like but all that extra stuff isn't really extra it's just it's like the palimpsest of the first book it's all mm-hmm. the words that are behind the words that we're able to see yep. right. yeah 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 and we get to see it it's magic it's tv magic it is, it yeah. is. now it makes me question it's like what else is going on that i'm not seeing I know. <laughs> right i know <laughs> And that's another eight episodes. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. And and that's the thing too. Like you know, we had eight episodes, and you want more. But if we had ten, you would still want more. Of and course, if you had yeah. twelve, you would still want more because it really just one thing leads to another thing that you can add, which leads to another thing. I mean, there there is no perfect number. It's, um, it's the ever expanding universe, right? But I'll take whatever they give us. Like I'm, you know, I'm I'm not one to complain. I'm like, you want to give me eight? I'll take eight because mm-hmm. it's better than none. Yeah, which is what we were dealing with for all those years. Exactly. Like, and and it's most certainly better than a two-hour movie. So either oh way, oh, yeah. either way I, I can't really complain. We're totally fine if the seasons act like the Bishop House and add episodes as they need to. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, we need we need to have the Christmas episodes and the New Year's episodes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I wouldn't complain. 
complain at all if they just randomly showed up. Right. Somebody, somebody needs to get on that. I don't know who, but listen, if we had a Christmas episode, what if they brought back like the goats, like Juliet? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, resurrect a villain. Um, <laughs> that's an yeah. Easter episode. That's an Easter episode. <laughs> uh-huh. Election episode. Bring back right. a, a dead I'm characters. Well, on that note, is Jillian really dead? Uh, is she dead or she, she not? Be. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I'm sick of that bitch. Uh-huh. I saw a theory floating around that maybe Sylvia took her out because Peter had said, oh, no, Sylvia will take care of Jillian. And I was like, take care of? Like the mafia take care of? Uh. What kind of take care of? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, I mean... Uh. Uh, had that crossed your mind that Jillian might have been taken out? Well, I didn't necessarily go all the way to the point of Sylvia putting her hands around her throat and (laughs) (laughs) the burking, you know, the burking her with a pillow or something. (laughs) But I figured that it quote unquote, it would be taken care of kind of like blacklist style. You know what though? Now that you say that, Mm -hmm. it brought me to methods of way she could have been done off. But it 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 reminds me of Peter Knox, the way he killed that librarian helper in in Shadow of Night. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? The thing with Jillian and, uh, you know, something about it just makes me wish that she's alive enough for Diana to take care of her, though. Because ultimately, she really, she betrayed Diana in, in the worst way. Yes. Um, and, you know, much like Statu, you know, just let Diana finish her up. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I don't know. And they kind of left it hanging. And I don't really know one way or another where they're going to go with it, but we shall find out, right? Yes, correct. I, I, right. I hope they don't, the decision that they make isn't partially driven just by the fact that they got Louise Brealey to play her, because that right. would be disappointing because that doesn't serve the story in my eyes. Just a thought. Yeah. I, yeah. I just know at the end of that episode, we were all like, why is this woman still walking the earth? She should be gone. Yes. Yeah. Be gone. <laughs> she should be gone. And also, that's why I fell into this conspiracy theory where I saw it posted online. I was like, wait a minute, that does make sense where... Yeah. I do, she's. I, I hope that if she didn't expire on her own terms because of what Matthew did to her, that somebody made sure she did. Right. So it's yeah. like Satu came back and said, oh, you know, he killed Jillian. Or she, yeah, Matthew killed Jillian. And Diana's like, uh, no, he, he wouldn't. But I'm like, he would, though. But we know for a fact that's not what happened in this yeah. show. And what did, did right. what did Matthew say in the show? When Did Diana ask him? Yeah. Did you kill yes. Jillian? And what did he say? He sounded vague about it, didn't he? He said no. I did not. Right, right. Right. So, yeah, I'm like, maybe Peter took her out just to, or Peter had her taken out just to be able to say Matthew killed her. Yeah. She's of no use to him anymore because she can't spy on Diane anymore because her purpose has been revealed. She's she's basically a loose end right now that needs to be taken care of CIA style. Right. (laughs) So maybe Sylvia did it. (laughs) I'm thinking somebody did it and it was probably Sylvia because every Sylvia in this universe is been a real bitch <laughs> so far no offense so to anybody far. listening named, by the name of sylvia but uh. <laughs> right let's move on angela what do you have i have an email from jennifer she says hello demons so great to hear from you again here are some of my thoughts and feel free to use my name or not well we just did <laughs> thoughts of the entire arc of the story in our binge series what a ride i tried not to have a lot of expectations because i knew the different genre 
was going to change a lot of how the story was told. I ended up really loving how thoroughly the TV show addressed the trilogy. Instead of focusing on the events in the book, A Discovery of Witches, the show is taking the, the whole series into consideration. It's a broader perspective and one that I found that I really appreciated. Now she's telling us whatever comes to her mind about the overall binge. I know this has been re- a really, really long journey with lots of bumps in the road. And to finally have a product and a really excellent product is just so satisfying. Something else that I realized that while I do these binges and I have twinges about uh, what was left out from the book to screen translation, I'm actually glad the show didn't cover all of my favorite little pieces because then I can keep them to myself forever and they will never be changed by someone else's vision. Jennifer. That oh is my the God. best attitude I've well, heard. Well, Jennifer. I think so too. Yeah. Thanks, Jen. Yay. That was, uh, that's actually a great perspective. The, there's a lot of things they didn't cover that I would have liked to see, but now I can still keep it in my head mm-hmm. as I saw it. But the things I wanted to see, like Hamish's house, came out exactly how I pictured it. Yes, I know. So exactly. I, I, I can't really complain there. So is there anything you guys would have wished you would have seen regardless? Uh, I mean, most of the stuff on my list is really tiny. I mean, I really would have loved to have seen the trick-or-treaters. <laughs> I won't oh, lie. Come on, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, and not for any other reason than that just gives us that momentary glimpse into Matthew that, you know, we don't really see um, a whole lot of, you know, that little tender moment with the little, you know, mm-hmm. little princess. He's good with kids. Who yeah. knew? Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> because here's this formidable vampire, you know, assassin, and, you know, here he is with these two little cute kids on Halloween. But nothing, you know, I don't think was so critically missing that it destroyed the universe for me. Um, in terms of, of the TV show. But I just have this little, you know, laundry list of little checkoff boxes of small things. But at the same time, too, you know, to the it, it's it's nice to still have them in the books. And you know they're there. And maybe the TV viewers don't know they're there. But you know they're there. It's like a little secret. Yeah. Um, and it, otherwise, why read the books, right? Um, right. Yeah. You know, so being able to keep them sort of independent, but at the same time together is, I, I don't know, I didn't mind it. Jean, you know. what would you have wished? Like any little moment, to see <sighs> more of the wine tasting. Oh, uh, yeah. From the from, I, I know. I, oh no, actually, I take that back. Them actually going down to the wine the cellar, wine at also, yeah, also, yeah. And, and exploring his cellar and just a little bit more of that, a little bit more of a, his casual revelation of how long his life was. But I mean, we get bits and pieces of it, but I just kind of wish it was stretched out more. Of that and the other little moment I missed was Baldwin yelling, "He bit me!" and Mark. <laughs> Mark, and Mark Throwing the big copper kettle at them to break them up. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I really wish she would have yes. thrown that pot. Yes. <laughs> Angela, how about you? Mine is just selfish. <laughs> it, it, it has. It, would, it wouldn't have added anything extra. Um, and it would have been incredibly expensive. But I would have loved to see more historical flashbacks. The Baldwin speech. The ledgers. The, the ledgers. Yeah. The, right. the book browsing that shows just the magnitude of the de Claremont family and how far they've gone back and who the, who they've known throughout history and how they've manipulated certain events uh, throughout history. Oh, and, right. and her visions. Yeah. I would have and her visions. seen her visions. Yes. 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 Mine's kind of little and trivial. I wanted to see her burn Matthew's rug. I, oh, you know? Yes, yes. Yeah, that would have been great. When, when her hands just started sparking for no reason, like the first time in Oxford, where she's thinking about the oath she took when she yes. <laughs> took out her Oxford right. library card. It's like, oh, I'm not supposed to burn things in here. <laughs> uh-huh. When Miriam had made her so mad by, uh-huh. you know, claiming she was a damsel in distress. <laughs> and... 
it made her so mad. She just started sparking. I, I just wish. And then, okay, this scene and Angela, I think you had mentioned it before where he restrained her. Yes. And uh, politically, that is not a good thing for him to just restrain her. But she was out of control at that moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I would have loved to see that where she's trying mm-hmm. to, you know, use her self-defense training to get out of his hold. And he's a vampire. There's no <laughs> way she's yeah. getting out of his hold. So yeah, like little things like that where. Oh, and the scarecrow when he's, do- when he's doing his yoga out in the field in Madison, I would have liked to Aww, see that. Yeah. 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 And the birds come and perch on him. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's true. All right. So mine is from Chloe and she's a new discusser of ours. So welcome, Chloe. Welcome. Hi, Chloe. Hi, Chloe. Okay. So she says, okay, cracks knuckles. This is my first discusser email. So hi, everyone. Hi, Chloe. Hi, Chloe. So I came to the series from TV when it aired on Foxtel. I suppose Americans call it cable for Australia. She calls it the main. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my mom and I were bored. So we started watching and got hooked. I quickly found the books and binge read them. My take is a little different to yours because I read as I watched. The arc of the entire story, I loved it no matter what. It's just so different from any other vampire series I've ever found. One thing I love about this series is that it's not written for young adults. It's adults doing adult things. As someone who's studying and working, I need to read about the life of adults as it actually is. Matthew being domestic is adorable. I love this series completely and all of the characters, though I have to say Baldwin is not one of my favorites, hides in the bushes. (laughs) (laughs) The interesting part of Matthew and Baldwin's relationship is how the blood rage fits into it and how Diana evolves to the almost friendly point at the end of this series with Baldwin. Okay, I guess she's talking talking about the book series. The thing I find completely fascinating in the book is that the family dynamics of the Declare Mods and how Diana changes it. Matthew's my favorite and always in my head because I role play him on Tumblr and Discord. So I apologize for the bias. Ha ha. Okay. <laughs> that ends my ramble email. I'm sorry. I just really excited to be a discusser. Thank you, Chloe. You're welcome, Chloe. And You're thank welcome. you for your insights. I mean, here's somebody coming straight from the TV. Uh-huh. It forced her to read the books and she has this whole new world that she's part of. So I figure how many people do you figure this happened for? A lot. A lot. Yeah. yeah. Seems like a lot. Renee, I think you would see it more than us. Um, Yeah, I mean, we we do, or I do. It's, you know, you you can really tell fairly easily to a degree who's coming from the TV to the books and, you know, who is books to TV um, sort of by their their take on things. What was interesting that she noted in that email, um, going back to Baldwin, though, is I'm curious, like, a, a lot of the book readers to TV seem to warm up to Baldwin. I'm a yeah. little, uh, she notes almost the exact opposite. So somebody has to post somewhere and figure out how the TV people perceive him because I'm curious as to whether it goes the other way for TV people. I can probably shed a little bit on that because I've been looking at a couple of groups that have formed pretty much sprung out of the fact the TV, TV. show came on and it seems like everybody loves Baldwin and they attribute it essentially to Tristan. So I don't know if it's like Tristan Gr- 
Val fans who've decided, yeah, I like Baldwin because Tristan's hot, which, yeah, right. he is very Well, hot. he is. <laughs> and he did an excellent, excellent job with the material. But I- I'll always say the material was always there. He just made the best use of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah, I don't think he. I don't think he did anything to essentially change Baldwin's nature or or add anything that Deb hadn't already given us. Yeah, I can speak as somebody who was neutral to Baldwin coming from the books because uh, I saw he was just running his. He was r- doing business, and I saw his perspective because he's he doesn't let emotions get in the way. He's yeah. got to make sound decisions for his family, and he just knows what he knows, and he's seen history, and he knows how his family should be run in his head. But watching the TV show and seeing all the antics at the congregation, they almost took his head off. Yes, and, yeah, yeah, and he's holding it down so he can save Matthew and Diana. And Mm -hmm. by all accounts, if I were thinking like him, I would have disowned Matthew too. Just my personality. I would have been like, no, you're disowned. I have no time for this shit. We're done. Well, and here's here's the thing that I don't... It's an unanswered question at this point in time. I can't wait to see like Serpent's Mirror or something and maybe compare it because I kind of get the feeling that once Philippe died, Matthew has gotten worse. You know, it's like he doesn't have the check. Like he would never cry Philippe, but it might cross his mind to push the boundaries even more with Baldwin than he would have with Philippe. So, I mean, hot mess Matthew has gotten a hundred times hotter since Dad died, maybe? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, if we're going to go to, you, to you the books... I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, my question is, is there a difference because the just wait until your dad gets home is taken out of the equation? It, well, it's that, and it's also, he's been traumatized having to take Philippe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and you have Baldwin, who is desperately trying to fill very large shoes. Yeah, and he's traumatized mm-hmm. too, but nobody's going to accept that because they don't see him as an emotional being. Well, and nobody's going to accept it because we're still in the books anyway, still seeing him through Matthew and Diana's filter. Right. Um, yeah. You know, where we're not really given an opportunity to see Baldwin and everything that he's experiencing because of the bias that we're kind of mm-hmm. working he, with. He's an incomplete being at this point in time in the books. I'm not so sure Philippe had that much patience either. He sent him away on a boat. (laughs) (laughs) Philippe didn't have that much patience either, but Matthew was more hesitant to push back. And it was obey without question. Yeah. Yeah. Where you don't have that with Baldwin. Well, I I imagine it'd be different for someone who's like Baldwin is his brother, somewhat equal. All of a sudden he's being above you. You know, I used to watch this in the military all the time when you have a whole bunch of people of the same rank one of them gets promoted and now mm-hmm. he's over overseeing all of his buddies. Oh, that's awesome. How, how many people, how many of his buddies are going to take him seriously? True. Number right. one. So right. Baldwin's got that obstacle to take take care of. He's like, I am now head of this family. And his brothers are like, yeah, right, whatever. Also, you've got such a screwed up dynamic here because, yeah, when Philippe passed, he also set up that mutually assured destruction scenario where he made Matthew the head of the knights and right. Baldwin's the head of the family. I mean, it's like the the power balance is on quicksand. You never know from moment yeah. to moment that who's so between the two of them. It's a hot yeah. mess. Yeah, yeah, it is. yeah it definitely. Is. All right, <laughs> let's, 
Let's get into discussion. All right. All right. So, yes. number one thing, favorite episodes. I mean, you can list them. You can just say ones that stuck out. Um, we'll start with you, Renee. You said number seven was your favorite. Do you have like a list how uh, you have them ordered or for the entire series episodes or scenes? Did you say sorry? Either uh, episodes or uh, you know you can pull out scenes. Whatever. It's just more free. I, I free don't. Today. I don't. Yeah. Despite <laughs> um the despite the notebook um I don't have that particularly order in terms of the episodes i i love seven i love three i love five what about one two four and six um y- you know what's really funny about it though is that uh, seven always sits at the top there's not a yes. whole lot of um changing that i don't think for me um episode six is the one that I guess really depending on the day of the week and I do most of my TV watching at night so I'm working all day I'm managing the kids I'm managing the family doing the laundry all that nonsense and I'm like clicking the clicker on and I'm like I don't have it in me for episode 6 tonight <laughs> like, you know, and, yeah. and sometimes yeah. I just you know I mean it's beautifully done don't get me wrong but I'm like I just can't carry the heavy it's um, draining you yeah. Know, yeah and I kind of skip it it's, I don't dislike it I would probably put it at the bottom of the pile just because of the time of day I watch and you know how I'm it's just it's a lot but it, it really depends because there's certain things in certain episodes that I'm like oh, I really love episode 7 but I really like that <laughs> um, yeah mm-hmm. you know so it really it tends to tends to vary but it's funny because if you ask me what my favorite book is that tends to change a lot too <laughs> um, so it must just be a factor of how much I'm exposed to it um, right I have to go off this little tangent and it, inclu- it involves Renee. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, in the beginning when the show first aired and we were all able to see it, we were talking about different ways that we binged it and streamed it and apps and methods. And you, Renee, said that you were waiting for one of your daughters and you ha- you were listening to it in your car in the darkness over Bluetooth. That had to be absolutely spectacular to hear all those rich voices <laughs> in the action. It, it was. And it was when we had the, um, the, the preview. So we only had episodes one and two. And, you know, I'm full time, you know, I, I work full time. I'm full time mom. And I do a lot of the soccer runs and, you know, whatever appointments the girls have. And my older daughter, um, had an appointment and I'm in the parking lot and it's not raining, but it's not nice out either. And it's getting, you know, it was dark early and I'm just in the parking lot and I have my phone and I'm watching episode one with the Bluetooth audio in the in the car, and I have the you know seat reclined back because I have <laughs> I have an hour and I can do whatever I want with it, and, that, and, that, and that's what I chose to do. But I mean, it was it was really cool, and I'm like, look at me, <laughs> like, <you're, laughs> and I'm sure all the people pulling up next to me are like, okay, there. <laughs> I don't know what she's watching, but you know, <laughs> she's a weird one over there. But it was it was a totally different experience though than watching it like on TV in the house or you know sometimes yeah. you know flipping it on at work don't tell anybody um, <laughs> <laughs> or you know whatever you know I'm doing but yeah it was pitch black out just in the middle of a random parking lot <laughs> I had oh, to wow. try that yeah. yeah it was it was neat and the car stereo I mean the car is rather new so I mean it was it, it wasn't low <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it wasn't right. and, and all I you know and Matthew you know he growls and I'm like yay <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like 10 seconds Rewind, 10 second rewind. We got the ground! <laughs> 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 I 
granted yeah Yeah. and more than once which is even better oh Um, yeah i can think of four good uh, growls yeah (laughs) between the growls and the fox we won ladies yeah yes we did oh angela you have a favorite episode i think episode seven also i mean i loved the oddly enough the ending of eight i love how it ended i love the cliffhanger i love Teresa palmer or diana turning around and you don't know exactly what's happening but seven of course i love the assembly of vampire Witches, demons, all in the Bishop House. Um, yeah. It just that it was priceless to me, and one of my favorite episodes. But I would say episode one is up there too because it's almost like we've been waiting for this for so long. Like Jennifer mentioned, it's been such a long ride to actually see your thoughts portrayed on the screen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And episode one, you know, and for people that were at Con, uh, you know, last year in Philly, you know, we were able to see that together, and that mm-hmm. was really, really cool. And it's kind of a one a lifetime sort of thing so episode one's a little special that way yeah um, i agree 100 oh, definitely for the 300 people that you know had that opportunity <laughs> yeah it, um, it, that's a really special special memory and that that makes that episode yeah it, 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 it's kind of off in its own category almost it yes, really yeah. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I imagine it'd be that way for the home watchers too. The ones that, you know, read the books and have been waiting for this series and didn't get to see the con, but I imagine that opening thing from Matthew Good with his voice. And it's like, Oh my uh, God. Chills. Yes. I know. Hearing yeah. that for the first time. Yeah. It's like, are you kidding me right now? Mm-hmm. I'm really yeah. watching this. Exactly. And that was a moment for me. That was a moment where Matthew Good solidified himself oh. in my head as Matthew Claremont. That, Absolutely. Yes. yes. That yeah. collective gasp yep. that one up is like, <gasps> and they the didn't, co- yeah, and they didn't wait. It was immediate. Like yes. it's the yeah. first thing you see, um, and and there was no doubt about it. You know, from that point forward. So that's like the best thing they could have done, having him stand on the bridge in that coat and s- deliver those lines. Yes, yeah, yeah. That was very smart because it was very not me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. So Jean, besides seven, besides <laughs> seven, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because that's turning out to be I'm, universal. Well, yeah, and we already talked about how, how many reasons I love Seven. Um, two. Two. Hamish. Yes. When Hamish, he grows yeah. up with Hamish and the whole conversation, and I, I just, just after he finished hunting, the conversation they have, uh, that that part where they're leaning up against his butch jeep. And yeah. I, I just love Two. I mean, the, the vibe with Two is Matthew. You, you really got to see a lot more of him. And yeah. probably, I don't know, <laughs> one... <laughs> One. Yeah. yeah. One. One. Oddly, oddly, the episodes with, okay, went three, when they walked off holding hands. Yes, that was very mm-hmm. cool. And, but I kind of, ex- I kind of expected that they had to do stuff like that. Yeah. The stuff yeah. I really loved was the unexpected things. Like pretty much, is, is it five or six where Baldwin's on the phone telling, you know, Peter, don't fuck with me? And Sigismund, I mean, I just love the whole. Yeah, I think it was interpl- six. It yeah, was the, seven. Yeah. I thought it was seven. Oh, is that seven as was well? It seven? <laughs> Maybe. No, I don't seven know. It was a church with Gerber. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 so yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that I think was, was six. six. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> don't fuck with me, Peter. Yeah. I was like, I know it was one of you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Sigismund's over there going, I'm not involved with this shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> six, is a, six was a really well put together episode. I think, I think I'm finding that the ones I really loved the most were the ones that Sarah worked on. No offense, Alice and 
No, no, that's what I've always JC. Right. Right. Well, I mean, right. JC did an amazing job with two. Yeah. And we got a lot. Of, oh, and, and two, the other reason I love two is the whole Juliet stalking Matthew Benet. Oh, yeah. That sequence, yeah. yeah. That Matthew sequence Benet. Was, Matthew Benet. <laughs> oh, sad trombone here. Oh, that, all that <laughs> stuff in Venice is, just, it, it's, it was just eye opening and, and, and spectacular. Oh, yeah. And Sarah Walker did do a fantastic job with six, seven, and eight, but she just had completely different material yes. than. And the right. other people did. She the was really suited to, to the. She was really suited yes. to the material she had too. I think the first shot of Venice was beautiful. <gasps> yes. Was, yes. Oh wow! It was yes. world building for the congregation. And, she, and we got to meet when we first met Agatha. It was too. Yeah, so I, was yeah like, I love her. Oh, yeah. I love me some badass Agatha. Oh, I know. God. I do have to say though, episode two, I agree with Eugene. It shattered my bias of what I thought Hamish was going to be. Oh yeah, and it was it was it exceeded my expectations because I was unfairly skeptical because just seeing the stills like why is he wearing that and how yeah. is he going to act and that's not what you know I was one of those naysayers uh, mild, mildly well I was worried that Greg was going to turn him into a buffoon and he's anything but that yeah mm-hmm. right he did a spectacular job with it kudos to you Greg yeah seven and two seven and two okay so mine it's really weird though because we watched it in a weird way because we had early access we had to get these episodes out when we'd watch them and it's like we couldn't say anything about it so holding everything in I internalized a lot and um, three just because it's the you and me against the world moment where those two just said let's fucking do this oh was yeah. that you the know? one where we were message boxing back and forth going oh my god oh my god and it yes. just was like a whole bunch, a whole bunch <laughs> of gasping and I don't believe yes that, yes. And, and that episode had great music choices oh yeah, my god yeah. Yeah, it did. was that the was three the stairs I think three was the stairs because that was when she went up to his uh, rooms? Was that no, three? that was two. That was two. When he okay. came that back was from another Scotland. reason I liked two. Yeah, when he came they back from together. Scotland and uh, she went to go visit him and he was just coming back and she he, there was no the answer look. to his door. It was just the look. Yeah. And then she turned around and she looked and she's like, oh, he's not here. And then he, there he was and mm-hmm. he's like, what is she doing here? <laughs> All right. <Yeah>. You know? <laughs> and that, All right. And that had... had- my favorite line of all, which all the time when he's, when yes. he says, you hear my hard time. time. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. See, I thought that was, that was more, you know, clutch your heart than even when they held hands as they walked out of. Yeah. yeah. But maybe now that you say that about him hearing her heartbeat all the time, it made me wonder when she was standing at his doors and he wasn't there at his rooms at door and he wasn't there. And all of a sudden she turns around, he's at the bottom of the stairs. When do you think he realized she was there being a vampire and so in tune with her? Had to be probably outside the building. Yeah. I would probably imagine. when he parked the yeah. car. Yeah. 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 And that's yeah. not the first time he's at the bottom of a set of stairs and she's at the top of her. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just, that was a lot wow. of fun. I don't know. It's hard for me to pin down a favorite. Of course, I liked Seven. I, I really enjoyed that episode just because of the collage of characters and scenes and settings. And we get to see what the congregation is all about when they devolve into this fucking organizational mess. Nobody knows what anybody else is doing. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so mm-hmm. great. That was- meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, this conventicle over here is getting their shit together. And even though they're a crackpot and kind of putting together this little 
whole organization. Shoestring string operation. Yeah. Their shit was more together than the congregations, you know? Well, that's because it, they weren't busy double-dealing everybody else. Oh, my <laughs> right. God. They're so busy double-dealing, they haven't updated their, their execution. It's <laughs> 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 How many times did I tell you to update the fucking bylaws? Right. <laughs> Beheading? We're, we're really still doing that, guys? Right. <laughs> that's what Baldwin said, basically. <laughs> yeah, but really? <laughs> but I'm kind of thinking if you're a vampire, that that's kind of the way it has to be, though. I don't really think they're getting rid of them um, in a much easier fashion. I don't know if they finally let me know. In, in a really stupid way, it really resonated because that is such a real life thing. Because <laughs> yes. I, can't, I can't begin to tell you how many times that I've sat in on board meetings and whatnot and people are like, I thought we updated that shit a long time ago. What do you mean we haven't updated the bylaws? Yeah, well, hello, blue laws. Try buying a TV or anything electrical in New Jersey on a Sunday. Oh, God. Right? Right? Try worrying about dry towns in Texas on a Sunday or any day. Oh, my God. Is that like kind of like booze in Delaware? That is booze. Yeah, that is booze. Period. Which is in Delaware on Sunday. Yeah. (laughs) I think they changed. Really? Yeah, it's awful here. Have to go to the state store. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. Because I know when I lived in Delaware, it's like we'd drive. I mean, the Maryland border was 13 miles away. So, I mean, it wasn't a big deal. However, it's like, why can't I just go buy some beer on a Sunday? That was Michigan. Michigan was like that, too. And what was even better? Well, you couldn't buy it before 12 on a Sunday. But the best part was you couldn't buy it at all on Christmas Day. Wow. I used to to work Christmas uh, at our local drugstore because I had the pharmacy open for limited hours when I was in college. And the look on people's faces when they're rolling in, like, oh, my God, I, my relatives are here. I need another 12-pack of beer. And you're like, sorry. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> Th- those expressions are burned in my memory all the way to this day. And it's like, yeah, yeah. sorry. I get it, dude. But you should have planned ahead. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. It's because Jesus, okay? You're wishing you had that stable now, didn't you? So let's uh, do our last thoughts on this binge that oh, we did. Like, thought, well, we didn't even do stuff we hated. Come on. Was there anything we, we disliked? Hated? Yeah, anything we did Yeah, like? what What did you dislike? There we go. That's good. What did I dislike? Besides the fact we didn't hear more episodes. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, not much. You know, I, I don't I don't know. I really don't have a lot of the hang-ups that I have the pleasure of reading about most days. Right. Um, you yeah. know, I, I don't, I'm not hung up on things like Marcus's hair color and whatever's going on with his accent. And I don't know. And maybe it's because I see, you know, so much of it that, that I almost condition myself to be like, eh, not really that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, I, I really didn't hate anything um, or really strongly dislike anything because I don't feel that the the integrity of the story was jeopardized in any way. And I think really that would be the only way that, you know, I would I would hate anything. How about disappointed? Um, um ah, maybe the spiders. <laughs> um, yeah. Had a little bit of a freak factor there. Uh, although that kind of did grow on me over time. Or I became less bothered by it. But no, I mean, nothing really overly stood out um, as being that problematic for me. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just me. Um, mm. I don't know. What about you? <laughs> Angela. This is, I, I mean, if I've ever had complaints in the past, I it must have not bothered me because I can't really remember any. I, I, but if I had to be nitpicky, I would say I would have liked to seen Matthew and Baldwin wearing higher end suits. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Baldwin, I would love to see wearing the style of Raphael Barba, the DA from (laughs) Law and Order Special Victims Unit. (laughs) Um, And Matthew, maybe more like Savile Row or London Taylor, custom-made suits, not uh, those kind that flap in the wind so much. Yeah, I was going to, I would agree with you there. I think they should have stepped up the men's uh, wardrobe a little bit. Well, I mean, especially the way Gerbert was so spectacularly costumed. Oh, he was. Gerbert was, was very elegant. And I love the, the how referential it was too to yes. his time as Pope. Uh, Baldwin looked very middle management to me, which yeah. is what bugged. <laughs> and it's not right. just because I have a hot mess crush on Baldwin and, and think he should be spectacular <laughs> in all things, but he looked very middle management. I mean, the the, the golf windbreaker and it, it's like they didn't do Tristan any favors. Well, and as someone who is in the high end, the highest end of investment highest, banking, yes. you wouldn't be dressing like that. No. And, and the thing of it is, is on some of the stuff we've seen him on appearances, he looks he can look so spectacular. Yes. Yeah. And, and Matthew Good as well. It's like, really, you've got like one of the dream bodies to dress as far as men's clothing, you know, long legs, long and lean and can wear just about anything. And you've got him in an off the rack <laughs> blazer. <laughs> That's so funny that uh, you, the things we all pay attention to. And, and, his, yeah. and, the, and his pants, right. the wonky pants. Yeah. Some of the wonky pants, you know, the, the crazy crotch fit. And it's like, come on, people dress them a little bit better. <laughs> But I'm sorry. I, that's I it. That's, that's it. My that's nitpick. Your, yeah. <laughs> that's your nitpick. Right. Yes. Butcher's Jean. Uh, Isabel. Isabel. Okay. I, 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 just, I just wish there was more of her. And I guess part of it was, is yes, she was imperious. And, and I get the Lindsay, I guess I get the Lindsay Duncan love. I've never really been exposed to her before, but she seemed very monotone in a lot, in a lot of instances to me. And I wish they would have dressed her. I, and I, and I, if anybody, as far as fashion, yes, that, that was a vintage Nina Rishi dress she had on. She was wearing it a hell of a lot. It's like somebody like Isabel would have had more clothing changes than that. And and a lot of it was just kind of like, yeah, I would have expected a little more polish. Okay. And, and she didn't seem to have a whole lot of dialogue either. No. Uh, like, no. Like, she, like she almost wasn't used to her full potential. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and some of me is like, well, you know, maybe if she really just didn't have a whole lot to say because she wasn't really particularly happy, um, you know, with what was going on. But the other end of that is I never took her as someone that would be silent either. So right. I, I don't know. I guess after with all the build up about how amazing Lindsay Duncan is, I was kind of like, I've only seen her in one thing yeah. under the Tuscan sun. Yeah, and that was 15 years ago, and somebody had to remind me she was in it. And you know what? She was great in that. <laughs> <laughs> I loved her in that I, because she was this carefree character that just, yeah. eh, whatever. Very different than an Isabeau type. Yeah. She did come off as very imperious and. But it was kind of one note to me. You're right. And intimidating. And, but she didn't bother me so much. Um, weird enough, mm-hmm. Mart did. Huh. Huh. I know Mart's a favorite of yours. Yeah. In the books, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they didn't give her much to do either. No. no. Um, it was the damn tea. It was leaving out the damn tea. <laughs> I hate to say this, but she seemed too British to me. Well, yeah, she's so Irish. She's, she's like, yeah. the, she was the, the stereotypical Irish nanny in a way. But elaborate for our listeners. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Lindsay Duncan, she could be anybody in Europe to me. Just kind of that neutral 
whatever. The mm-hmm. same with Matthew Good. He he took on a tone of just, yes, I speak English, but I could be from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, and in, his French the, accent was so wonderful, too, when he slipped in In this French. continent, you know. Right. Um, Mart did not come off as somebody who uh, lived in the Auvergne for ages and ages and ages. Saying. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah. She, she came off as British nanny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They hired her from the service. <laughs> and the thing is, and I, I don't mind that. It's just such a different picture because I loved Mart. I, I, I've always wanted Mart's story. I've always wanted, like, to me, it's unbelievable. I've always been the one to ask Deb. To me, it's unbelievable that someone would volunteer to be a servant Forever. for life. Yes. Yeah, but then you got Freya's take on it, so. Well, changed. yeah. Hello, be- little Miss Phoebe, Phoebe Demon. Listen to me. No, I understand all that, but still, when I approach the books, yeah. it's, I, that was my number one question. Why would somebody stay in servitude for, and I got it answered, but I'm just saying, Saying. So when we met Mart, she was so kind and welcoming, and we definitely had the the thought that this woman was she spoke Occitan as her first language, and she that's what she defaulted to. And even in the books, it said as she was using her English more, it was getting more, it was getting better. So mm-hmm. uh, this nanny <laughs> was not what I pictured. She did a great job, yeah. don't get me wrong, but I she. Mart was a big thing for me. I loved her. I loved the way she took care of Diana. And we kind of saw that, but not really. Yeah. You know? Right. And I really think it's a bit of a screen time issue, um, you know, with her because we don't really have enough exposure and, you know, mm-hmm. she's not yeah. really interacting with the characters. And, and I really, you know, the, the actress, I mean, she does a beautiful job in Father Brown. She's in River, you know, so definitely has the ability to, um, you know, kind of embody a character of Mark's nature. I just don't think there was, you know, she just didn't have enough screen time um, to do it. Yeah. And I don't know whether that was, you know, that was something that was probably that... a factor. My attachment to yeah. the character on screen was right. not there. I, I think a part, whole part of a big problem with that whole Septour sequence is it was so plot, dr- uh, the plot was driving that. Yeah. yeah. And right. we were going from boom, 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 boom. Whereas in the book, there's a lot of character Moments. development and it's more of an emotional arc there because you're going to the past and you're con- you're learning right. about Matthew and she's learning about her feelings and she's learning about his fa- I mean and, and then when you take out the whole surreptitious birth control and and that bubbling undercurrent with the whole are they can they or can't they or wait is this the ability to have children because that drives that a lot too and since they've made the decision to shift that part of the plot you, you you lost that underlying driver and then it just becomes driven by the plot and then then you lose lose the nurturing aspect of Isabel that is creeping in all along because it mm-hmm. seems like all right. of a sudden here the, all these things happen she looks out the window and they're making out and she's like oh well looks like I'm going to have to accept this Right. Exactly. You know, because we, we go from the scene, you know, where they're dancing and the Matthew leaves and then we have the witch water and then we have Diana in the tub and, you know, Isabel and Mart, they're just kind of standing there. Which is kind of creepy. Right. <laughs> it really, it really kind of is. But then, you know, three and a half minutes later, we're all one big happy family. And I'm like, yeah. what, what ended up on the, edit, you know, editing room floor? Um, right. And now, 
yeah, but we have the books. We know, but yeah. it kind of didn't, you know, really translate there. Well, um, and, and the funniest thing was too is I, I was it you and Irene that mentioned the other day the whole Agamemnon th- thing came. Oh no, it was, it was the whole Agamemnon thing came up the other day, and then mm-hmm. I, I think I believe it was Ginger, one of our other listeners, and I were going back and forth, and it's like, yeah, that puts all those scenes in the show in a whole new note because we ended up talking about origins and yeah, and who may have been Isabel's maker and Agamemnon came up it's like yeah there's a lot of bad things ending up happening in a tub in Greek mythology maybe we don't want to steer that way (laughs) right also for me names are important yes yes right not once not once do we get that and we find out early on that names aren't that important because Matthew's like I always use my Christian name um no (laughs) that's not true I think the closest the closest we we hinted at names are important was the cheeky way that the dead student was Matthew Benet right Mm -hmm. and that was more of a tongue-in-cheek joke than anything else right so I mean little nitpicky things for me but nothing major overall I am thrilled with Mm -hmm. the production absolutely yeah yeah so they earned five hard-earned stars yeah absolutely yes from the most skeptical of skeptics they got five five out of five for me it do you know what we would be the harshest critics (laughs) (laughs) well I mean I know there are some people who just kind of like okay this didn't match my vision so this whole thing sucks this is terrible and I'm disappointed okay yeah that's fine but why didn't you just take it in for what it was yeah right and for what it was it was beautiful. I love the whole thing. I and it. Deb's definitely been more outward and adopted the attitude of that. That's fine. You'll always have the books. Yeah. But- yeah. <laughs> that's so true. Okay, guys, you ready to tackle housekeeping? Yes, let's do it. Okay. All right. Housekeeping. Who's going first with the housekeeping? I will, because right. I have an email from our discusser in chief, Stephen. Yay, Stephen! <laughs> and because he's, he saw the show last fall or last autumn, he wrote us right quick in the beginning of the new year. So this is sitting in our inbox and we've been holding on to it, patiently waiting to reveal it to everyone. Yeah. But he says, hi, demons and happy new year. A couple of thoughts for your official watch on the big screens. I did mention this on the mother's site at the time in the UK live broadcast. I love the camera work with Matthew standing in front of a mirror and showing reflection of his, the back of his head while debunking vampire myths after dinner in Oxford. There was a lot of comments online about Matthew's tie during the dancing scene at set tour in episode four. I'd be surprised if an, uh, such an obvious continuity error was a mistake. I like to think that the anomaly was caused by Professor Claremont forgetting to remove his tie when he and Diana time walked back to set tour in episode eight. That's all for now. Demon kisses. <laughs> well, Stephen, it wasn't a continuity error. It was magic and it was proof of time walking happening. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we choose to believe in. Yes, exactly. Yeah, right. Enforcing my erroneous opinion on everyone. Okay. <laughs> the official word on this from Deborah Harkness was, it was a continuity <laughs> era, but believe what you want. If magic is your thing, then yes, it's magic. <laughs> magic is desire made real and exactly. desire that this is in fact the case. So. Yes. <laughs> Demon stamp of approval. Oh. <laughs> Thanks for writing in, Stephen. So, Jean, who do you have? I have a housekeeping from Brenna, and Brenna is a brand new discusser. Yay, Brenna! And she 
has a lot to say, let me tell oh, you. Oh, dear. Okay. Okay, Brenna. Hi, demons. I recently discovered your podcast and been enjoying every minute. The three of you bring a wonderful blend of humor, insight, and passion to your musings on ADOT TV and the All Souls universe with an approach that is honest without being pushy or entitled to the content. It's refreshing to have a community with this level of maturity. Not all fandoms are like this. Thank you for supplying this. There are two Aww. things I wish to address in this response. And Brenna, I love you because you are an organized thinker. This is just my comment. <laughs> First, is Matthew driving the same car in France as he did in England? Yeah, I think. Personally, I couldn't tell if Matthew was driving his Tesla on the Auvergne countryside. Yes, maybe he has multiple Teslas. I don't know. I'm maybe, not a car maybe. person. Uh, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, she also takes a, a issue with the fact that it seems in episode four, it suggested they drove all the way because it, that kind of didn't make sense given the urgency of the situation. Okay. I would agree with her there. I was like, you would have thought they'd hop on a plane and fly and use one of his other Teslas, but I was kind of missing the Range Rover at that point, so right. there's that. <laughs> okay. Second, you mentioned a loss of nuance from the books for episode five, particularly in the approach to Isabeau, Jillian, and Matthew and Diana. When I started watching, I had just finished the book and in my excitement forgot a lot of those little details, so it really didn't bother me on my first viewing. I was actually betting that the tea would be cut and the cross-species revelation wouldn't occur till Sophie and Nathaniel arrived at the Bishop House. Looking back, I cannot understand why these details stand out to you. As to my own thoughts, as for Isabeau, it's odd that her coldness didn't surprise me. I got the sense in the book that even when she welcomed Diana into the fold, she worried about Diana being a liability. Mm-hmm. As for the church scene, from a visual standpoint, I thought it was a great way to drive home the point who Matthew was in his human life and what he suffered. Additionally, it tied Blanca and Lucas to the community and to the building in the greater community, emphasizing their importance to Matthew and how they still have a hold over him for 1,500 years. Uh, Isabel wanted to make Diana feel inconsequential by comparison and utilized the building to get her point across. As for the crucifix and the worship, maybe it was out of respect for Matthew's faith and that of his human family, it's hard to say. As for Jillian, the creative choice to have her as a friend than an annoying acquaintance who taunts her makes her more sympathetic even when the viewer, like myself, can't stand her. (laughs) (laughs) She may not have liked Jillian at present, but I doubt she wants her former friend dead, and I doubt she could forgive Matthew for doing so. But additionally, it was horrible as Jillian is was. It's nice to see a female character employ agency after such an ordeal. If you're going down, at least do it with purpose and a slight fuck you to the attacker. Here's this one. On a side note, how did Knox manage to lie to Sigismund about Jillian's involvement? I thought we just couldn't lie to other witches. <laughs> Got a point there, Brenna. Yeah. We were asking yeah. the same question all along. Yeah. Okay, yes. The bundling scene was quicker and more abridged than I would have liked. Yeah, and I, I, see <laughs> and I could see why you had compared it to Diana's past encounters. Admittedly, I was too caught up in Matthew Good's swoonworthy voice on a first viewing to care, but there are still moments of book intimacy present with Matthew as palimpsest and Diana taking her time to explore, which I did appreciate. Now that I remember the visions from the book, I wish we could have gotten them, or at least an indication of them, but per- perhaps season two will deliver. Thank you, Brenna. Oh, I, I but do... wait, we've got... Oh, wait, there's more. Oh, there's more. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> I will also comment on the mating pledge scene from a non-reader perspective. I didn't think on first viewing the audience would pick up on what's going on, but Miriam's comments and Isabel's warning all hint to the direction that it's heading. In. Diana hints at this too when she states that Matthew hasn't told her he loves her when he proclaims his feelings that you get a sense that they've come together in a significant way. I'll finish off with my conflicting feelings over Diana's line to Isabel after the hunt. I can't decide if it's the greatest fuck you ever delivered or just flatly petulant. 
Knowing mm-hmm. Diana is likely both. Oh. Thanks again, Demons. Looking forward to the next week's podcast. Thank you, Brenna. Thank you. How about yeah. Yes, and so many things to think about and so many mm-hmm. things that we... I want to comment on the Tesla thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when we discussed that, I, I don't think I wanted to assume that they flew. Only because of my bias of reading the books, because they did fly in the books. I don't think it makes them um, less, uh, more vulnerable if they drove versus flying, because somebody can track you no, no matter where you are. Yeah. Um, that trip is not a hard trip going from France to England. I've made it before. It's, I, I, I think Europeans, I, they're not used to driving so much. <laughs> they don't uh, like. I've driven to Greece in two days, so mm-hmm. it's not not a big deal for me with my mindset. So if he took the channel, it maybe would have been a three and a half hour trip going to the Auvergne. So it wasn't a big deal. Well, I guess to me, it didn't didn't make a difference either way, because don't forget, we're making the same pretty much the same trip in Shadow of Night on horseback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so there's so, that. <laughs> took the channel or if you got on the ferry at Dover. So dry, my mindset is it's not a big deal that they flew or they drove. So uh, I don't know. He could have, they could have flown, but they didn't show that part. So I didn't want to make that assumption when we introduced that in our episode. So that's the only reason why. Magic of TV. They got Magic there. Magic of TV. Yep. They got there. Boop. I mean, and you'd really have to to pull the de Claremont, uh, what do you say, favors yeah. at the airport, yeah. too, to make it yeah. fast. Make right. it fast. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, I was too busy bemoaning the, the loss of the Range Rover person. <laughs> <laughs> Me, I don't care. I like the Tesla. So it's like, okay, cool. We're taking the Tesla. <laughs> Be a nice, comfortable drive all the way to France me but um how about any of like isabel she was saying it didn't surprise her that she wasn't warm i mean we did see moments in the books versus the tv show she seemed cold the whole time on the tv show and but i didn't really feel warm from her i mean she would slip a couple times like on the horseback ride when they were hunting about you know yeah uh, she actually needled Diana Moore in the books. Remember yeah. when she was yeah. cutting the the flowers with her fingernails? That was Henry's whore's name, Diana. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I love that. Right. right. I mean, I, I are are that you moment. scared to ride side saddle? What's wrong with you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, like stuff like that. I mean, I didn't really see warmth from Isabel until later. I think my biggest argument with it was. In the books, her lack of warmth was far more subtle. And I get why you have to heighten everything for TV, but I mean, Isabel was pretty much an anvil. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think yeah. that's why a part of the reason I had a real problem with, with them moving the church scene forward, not only because it, I think it lost power that way, it was more like her banging Diana on the head with a mallet with, he loves this other person more, da 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 da. Right. It, whereas when she told her that story, she told it more as a, a cautionary bedtime story in the book. Yeah. Which yeah. I think there was a little bit more warmth and subtlety to it, but they left in the line about, oh, well, according to your mother, you're a combination 
between Superman and Lancelot. Yeah. It yeah. didn't mesh with the way Isabeau had been acting all the way before because she's like, you don't want my son. He's a suicidal mess who's still in love with somebody else after 1500 years. And look, he, ju- yeah, I mean, he's such a strong Catholic and he jumped from the bell tower. Uh-huh. I mean, that, I, I don't get Superman and Lancelot from that at all. <laughs> no, no. And, you know, and the other thing that, you know, and then she takes her hunting, you know, and can you, can you deal with someone who eats like this? And, you know, there, yeah, there's no, there's no real Lancelot that she's, she's showing. Yeah. And Diana. then Di- Diana's just so flippant. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. I want to go home. <laughs> yep. <laughs> can she we go home now? in the books too. Oh, I know. She was, but she, she was super petulant teenager in, in the show. It didn't read that way when you yeah. read, when you read it in the books. I, I think in the TV show, it just, she's just like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. Well, uh-huh. right. And she does, <laughs> but she does that twice because she does it with Isabeau, um, you know, when they're hunting, but then, you know, she hangs up on her aunt Sarah. I mean, that reminds me of my 17 year old. Did you do your homework? Did you finish what you were supposed to do? Click. Why are you not there? Um, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I, I hang up on people too. So maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that, maybe that's not, maybe that's not really an accurate statement, but, um, yeah. yeah. You know, but it yeah. is kind of, um, interesting though, if you really look at that, because we have Diana who has these uh, teenage behavior tendencies, and yes. but at the same time, you know, we have her parents telling her bedtime stories and Isabeau's telling her bedtime stories. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, she's you know she's in a way really she's treated like a child too. Yes, so yes it's yeah, not, yeah. It's not a surprising. Point. That she yeah. behaves like one. You treat me alone. Mm-hmm. I'll act like one. Right. Well, yeah, that's true. That's a that's an amazing point because so. every time she is with a parental figure, she reverts back to that. And she even said that in the book. She's like, every time I'm in this house, I just want to curl up on the couch and eat ice cream and watch TV. Right. So, so it's that's human nature, though. Too. It mm-hmm. kind of throws her back into that mindset. It's like she went from in the book, she went from childhood to adulthood pretty quick. I mean, she threw herself yeah. into academia. And now she's dealing with all these adults. So when she's thrown back with a parental figure, like dealing with Sarah over the phone, she's like, okay, whatever, Sarah. And she's hanging up. And honestly, that's the only one she can really do something like that, too. Yeah. I didn't call you for a lecture. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, if you think about all the times that Sarah was trying to call her in the books, like fucking pick up your phone, Diana, deal with this shit, you know? Right. And and then she's wondering why Sarah's all crabby. It's like, because you want don't answer her fucking phone call. Hello. Yeah. Right. Baldwin and Sarah are way more alike than we ever realized. Yeah. Right. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's very antagonistic on her part, too, because she knows that ignoring those phone calls is going to end up with that kind of result. So, you know, it, it's kind of pushback from, you know, from both sides. Sarah's going to call yeah. her, you know, over and over and over again in a lawyer, and, you know, Diana's going to ignore her. It seems to be a game that they, they must play relatively frequently anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone true. has their roles and they're lifelong. Yeah. They're never going to change. No. Yeah. No, not at all. But it's fun. No. I mean, that's fun to watch. I, I, yes. can't, oh, I, I can't help but, you know, enjoy that kind of stuff. So another thing Brenda brought up was uh, the sex scenes or the right. anti-sex scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I like how she said abridged. <laughs> right. Almost sex scenes. Yeah. Yeah. The wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. I know where to push your buttons. Go
go to sleep. And we can be done. Uh, yeah. uh-huh. uh-huh. What do you think about that, Renee? That that abbreviated uh bundling. Bundling. bundling um I, I think I think that could have been um broadened out a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I would have minded that, not in the least. I'm like, you know, I think there has to be um at least another few minutes on there. <laughs> I don't know, maybe a half hour would have been nice. You know, I don't think I was entirely <laughs> shocked by it. What I did find rather amusing though is occasionally I'll see things like it's the American TV you know it's their, their fault um, you know, because um, you can't have that kind of stuff on American TV uh, you, know, unless uh, it's you on can cable. if it's yeah unless it's on cable and you know um, you can have it on a streaming service hello I, I know but, I know. but they, they were worried about full front there's more people out there are really worried about seeing Matthew Good's dick let's just right, put it right. out there on the table we have right. an explicit rating we can yeah right. god Exactly. Really? Oh, I remember you bringing this up, Gene. And I'm like, oh, really? Because yeah. Pornhub.com has all yeah, of that if you want to see. Right. There's free dick on there. At least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, yeah. And this is a conversation we had when you were talking about they wanted to see her reciprocate. I'm like, all you would see is her head bobbing up and down. What's right. so great about that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't. And I think one, I think as one of our discussers, in fact, is a former FCC attorney. And she's like, you can't fucking do that. Well, I yeah. And, and the thing is, is I think, you know, it's against it, regs. Right. But it's been, it's been stated since day one that if it could not be done well, it would not be done. Right. So, you didn't want you know, explicit sex. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how really could you have possibly put something like that into the show in the way that, um, you know, some people want to see it without really having a, a ratings problem? Listen, but, the way they did it in the books, it was more of a conversation than a makeout scene. Right. Yeah, it really exactly. was. I mean, there was touching <laughs> weaved within this whole conversation. It was mostly verbal seduction is what it was. Yeah, yeah. Right. That, but it also... Right the unemotional part of me thinks that was a, a history lesson too in the books because they talked about Catherine and Henry and how well did he know them and I mean it was leading up to right. bundling yeah right. Right. right right so I don't know I I lost a lot on that scene where it's like okay what did I get out of this besides right <laughs> why did she why did she push push his forehead I, I that's like, <laughs> I got hung up on that I'm sorry it, it was kind of like well. If I would have written the scene, I probably would have staged it a little bit different. But then uh, writing that stuff on the page is different than blocking it for TV. Right. Informationally, that scene to me was zip. It was obligatory. It was the obligatory. We can't cut the bundling scene. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. It didn't do much for furthering my knowledge. No. On the background of the character. Now the so. second one was there was a lot of. No, oh, that was hot. Yeah. And the timing was right. But but yeah, the seduction the part was right. and the seduction part was good and there was a lot of emo- I mean their chemistry their chemistry really carried that yes yeah yeah, yeah it really did anything else for Brenna's email no, just Diana examining Matthew's scars his battle scars his battle wounds uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. and comparing it to a palimpsest that I do believe the internet calls that palimpsexy <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> I like that yeah. <laughs> palimpsexy like it is hard to say <laughs> alright so I have 
have a housekeeping email. And by the way, audience, we got so many emails for this uh, episode. So if you didn't, he- you sent in an email and you didn't hear it this episode, you will hear it in episodes to come. So yeah. we didn't forget you. We just got a ton. And thank you, by the way, everyone who wrote in. Thank you. We live for that. We live for feedback and we will get to your emails. It was so nice to engage again. Yes. Yes, it was. We really missed that. And if you didn't understand how we did these TV episodes, we recorded our last one in January, but we started recording them last year. Yeah. All of our TV episodes. So you're hearing us, but you're hearing us from last year (laughs) when you heard those TV episodes because we got access from AMC Networks and we had a... a non-disclosure agreement. We could not say anything until yes. January 3rd. And, and thank you again to AMC for allowing us access to those screeners. It was a real privilege and we hope we did them justice and hope we honored our obligations to you guys because you're really good to us. Really good to us. <laughs> yeah. So if you didn't hear your email, it's not because we're like, nah, we're not going to read that. It's just because we had so many and we'd be here for three hours and a three hour episode is not optimal. So there's that. And also if we would have reached out to you for discuss or email, emails last year. We would have been in big old trouble. We would have been breaking our non-disclosure agreement. So there's that too. So (laughs) (laughs) with that, we're going to read our last housekeeping email. This is from Alan. And yes, Alan, we received all of your emails and I loved all of your uh, observations, but this is the latest one. Alan says, they chose to leave off that Isabeau helped pull Diana out of her funk of creating witch water and how hard this was on her. I understand that they had a limited budget and time to tell the story, but I felt they may be leaving out a bit too much. And I think he's referring to the time that Isabel sung Diana mm-hmm. out of her yes. witch water, mm-hmm. brought her back out of her trance. And yeah, that was a big scene. But Alan, I would ask you this. Did you like what you got? Because I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the witch water scene. How about you guys? Did you like that? Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Stunning. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I wasn't really sure how they were going to do that. Um, but it, it was it was really epic. It was epic. And it was a nice way to close that episode out. So it was mm-hmm. fun. I, I do see what he's saying about the, the singing, though, because it ties in and it's very important in Shadow of Night. And maybe yeah. that's some of the warmth that we would have seen from Isabel. Yeah. yeah. I guess I would have liked to see that because... I, I don't think a TV viewer gets a sense of just how monumental the burden of grief that Isabel is carrying with the loss of Philippe. Right. I mean, just if you took the TV show on its own, not knowing the books, you don't you don't get quite the same sense as just how huge a personality Philippe is mm-hmm. and how epic their love was. It's one of the is. greatest love stories ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And you don't get that sense of it if you just look at the right. TV show on its own. No, I mean, yeah. I think trying to figure out how they demonstrated that in any way. I mean, you have she refuses to give Matthew the key to his office, and then he goes in, and you can you can sort of see by his body language, you know, how heavy that was, you know, for him to be there. And then you have her, you know, sitting in Philippe's chair. But I don't I don't know that it's ever really quite at the level that we know that it is. Yeah, to me, it's funny that you see the weight of the grief far more with Matthew and with Baldwin. I mean, because that one scene when Baldwin's sitting in his office is like you can just see the burden of grief and family and everything just kind of flash across his face. Right. Yeah. And, you know, when Diana asked Isabel what happened to Philippe, she was just like, well, how dare you ask me that? Yeah. Um, you know, right. which I 
which I get, but at the same time, it doesn't. I, I don't. I don't know. Um, we know it's there. <laughs> we know it's there. Yeah. But that might be something that you know we just get a little bit more of in in season two. So you know, it, it's really one of these things with you know with season one is I, I feel like, and even with the books, it, you know, five years from now when we're looking back on more of a complete package, and you know, we see how all of the ends are tied together, then we'll be like, oh. <laughs> You know, but we're looking at it in this particular moment in time. Right, and right, time. right. Yeah, and we don't know where it's, you know, exactly where it's going or how things are going to play out. And, you know, a lot of the questions or maybe even some of the criticisms we have now might not be a big deal when we see the finished product. Right. When, you know, when we're done. Like um, episode six, missing, you know, the, the Oubliette story. We got it. Something different in seven, which is even better in my opinion. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. Or, or in a perfect world, maybe our wishes go out into the universe and into the ears of the right people and, and, the, and these open questions are addressed. Right. <laughs> yep. because, because in our perfect world they're already thinking about it and they do hear us. <laughs> yes. And they're going yeah. to download this episode as soon as it hits, it hits the waves. <laughs> yeah. Everybody will be watching episode, I mean watching season show and it's like comes up to episode seven it's like, oh, the Demon's Domain podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are yeah, Mom Renee had a really good time. <laughs> <laughs> but like what that girl said. Um, yeah. I love your optimism, everybody. I love it. <laughs> I, I, I honestly will own it as a delusion, but you know, let me live in my bubble. Exactly. This is totally a random thought, but I never brought it up during the, the recording when we that episode hit. It was when the demons did meet and Nathaniel says, I can't believe this actually worked. Like he, everyone from the forum gathered in person. I thought that has to be a nod to Demon's Domain and the All Souls discussion group. That's oh, yeah. Right. You're the first con. I can't believe we're all standing here in the same room. Yes. We're right. all in the same room. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. Uh, I have to wonder I have to wonder when we were all in that room in Philadelphia and Lachlan walked in and he's like, Holy I I've got like, the what? Yeah. Crossed his yeah. mind. She wasn't kidding. Mm-mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so thank you for that email, Alan. I yes. appreciate it and appreciate your thoughts and I appreciate all the emails you sent. And yes, we did read them and they're all interesting. You had really good points. So everybody who wrote in, thank you. Keep Even listening. if we didn't read it here, keep listening, keep writing it in. We'll just put it in the style pile of stuff that we read in future episodes. Knows, and we may th- have just an episode of reading and commenting. <laughs> <at this point. laughs> That's the whole thing about our housekeeping segments. It's just cleaning out our inbox, getting to stuff that we haven't addressed before. And sharing all these awesome things that we received. Yeah. Okay, so we have a save it for the show. You guys ready? Yeah. Uh Yes, ma'am. Let's save it for the show. (laughs) Save it for the show. Save it for the show. Guys, save it for the show. All right, this episode, save it for the show. Where was Hot Mess TV Matthew? Go. Go. Hot Mess TV Matthew. <laughs> oh. He didn't seem such a hot mess in the TV show, Not did he? Not at all. It was a, and I don't want to say it was a disappointment, but it was kind of like, oh, come on. It's, but was uh, he a hot mess in the books? Yes, kind yeah, of. Yeah, he's a hot mess. In, in the, but we didn't know that as a reader in A Discovery of Witches. I no. At least I didn't. I was, I was in my honeymoon phase. He you know. <laughs> that is probably true. I kind of remember reading Discovery Witches for the first time 
time and not liking Matthew for totally different reasons well, than Hot Mess Matthew. At least I went for 30 chapters thinking he was perfect. Well, okay. and, then, and then we meet Baldwin. I'm like, okay, there's a chink in this guy's armor. Well, <laughs> here's for me, it's like we even reading the book as a preface. Yes, I absolutely adored Matthew, but I like projects. I like the project book boyfriend and I could see right at, at the onset, he was kind of a hot mess because he was all bottled up and in all this, his mm-hmm. withholding and the grief. And I'm like, oh, and then he starts doing things that are reaction, you know, just like creeping up with a reactionary. And then the next thing you know, it's the, the hand running through the hair and him doing dumb stuff. And, and like from chapter yeah, yeah. 39, it's like, what are you doing? So I think we do get Hot Miss Matthew. And- I guess. There's only 12 chapters left, right? In the Discovery Witches. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all backloaded, but we still get Hot Miss Matthew in the Discovery Witches. True. Okay. I can see it that way. So Renee, uh-huh. why didn't... I had my own reasons, but why didn't you like Matthew in the first book? In the, in the first book, um, I, I don't know. I feel like... And again, this is this is my perspective going back, not the 50th read of Discovery, which is, but the first read of Discovery, which is, I, I just really always felt that there was something about Matthew that was just going to snap. Um, you know, he has that stalkerish, overprotective nature. He's in a room. I love Renee. And, you know, and are like, I don't see the problem. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. A non um, vampire, I feel gypped. No, no. No, I don't mean that. I don't. Not that his behaviors weren't expected from a vampire. I just wasn't sure until much later in the book that he was an okay person. You know what I mean? Like, I was never really sure whether he was going to go bad vampire on Diana or whether he would, you know, like, I, you know, because he had all of these other motivations and he's motivated to fund the book and, you know, he's sneaking into her room and he's doing all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, are we going to, am I going to get through? you know, 40 chapters and find out he's a jerk. Um, you know, and I feel like I was just waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it. Didn't come. Um, right. But then, you know, kind of looking back at, you know, at Matthew, he just does some extraordinarily stupid shit. Um, you know, he really does. He is not a good decision maker. You know, and we see it in all kinds of areas with Marcus, with, you know, I mean, it's almost like everything he touches to some degree um, has some kind of an outlier variable that can just turn things and make it go bad, mm-hmm. um, you know. And and again, that he didn't take into account. No, and I mean, I and I know we're going to see it with Kit. I know it's there with Kit, um, you know. And and that makes him a huge hot mess. Um, yeah. And depending on what it is, it determines whether or not I like the hot mess version of him in any particular scene, or whether I really don't. Um, and, and it really does sort of flip flop back and forth depending on what he's doing. And then on top of it to make it an even bigger hot mess is he recognizes that he's doing it and then he <laughs> and then he punishes himself for it. It's like are you and then he kidding? Does it again. Uh, right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, yeah. apologies are fine, but if you don't change the behavior, really what's the point? It, you know, and you and are he, bald one. I am so bald one. <laughs> I am. See, now you can understand my love hate relationship with this guy. <laughs> it's you like know? Angela and Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and much like Baldwin, like really what do I I do with Matthew? What do I do with him? I mean, I can't kill him. I want to, but I can't. You know, and he doesn't listen. So, you know, you just want to shake him, but not that that'll do any good either. Um, it's true. Yeah, that's so true. And, yeah. and, and playing the role of Matthew. 
<laughs> I right. try, he try, I don't even know that he tries to change his behavior. No, he doesn't. He does. He's in he a just, loop. He gets stuck in a loop. He's like that, that he dog. Falls into his own That pattern. dog that you can't stop from licking its own paws. It's like, stop right. it. <laughs> but it feels so good. Yeah, just stop it. <laughs> My problem with Matthew, when he, I don't know, when I met him, I was just like, why should I be impressed with you? <laughs> Number one, I was like, oh, he had all these credentials on his card. I'm like, oh, you need to read walk. more billionaire bromance. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, but that, see that, it, but that told me nothing about him as a character. I know I'm teasing you. I didn't feel impressed by him, but I felt like how Deb describes Philippe meeting Baldwin. I just liked the guy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And uh, he gave me nothing to like about him. And yeah. then the next thing yeah. we're, we're looking, he's fucking stalking Diana in her rooms and staring at her for three hours. The Dang. fuck? Dang, <laughs> no, yeah. See, I was kind of like, he's mesmerized back to the whole, it'd be nice to be the center of somebody's attention for a little bit. <laughs> Again, hurt that, you, that's, Jean. A, that's a me problem. <laughs> and I, and I was all caught up in story time. This yes. is all about story time for me. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> I don't know. I grew to love him after he fucking un- and you guys heard the story from me. Yeah. 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 When the layers of the onion started coming loose <laughs> and you can see there was some good shit in there <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. He does have remorse. Oh, God. Well, I mean, no I- wonder he was so, and it's just like, you get to see these things and if a person like Hamish can see these good things in him and I immediately liked Hamish because Hamish was, he's like, okay, what's the problem? Let, right. Let's look at it. Mm-hmm. So if Hamish can love this character. That's, I think, subconsciously, it's like, then why couldn't I? Let me listen to what this character has well, to say. Think about <laughs> exactly. it. Up until that point, it's like you're seeing, you're, you're in Diana's perspective. You're uh, you're seeing Matthew in kind of a vacuum, and then then we add Miriam into the mix, who has got a whole boatload of her own Baldwin-esque <laughs> right. issues with Matthew and his ridiculous behavior. Yep. Who's the perennial babysitter for a, th- a thousand years or so? Right. Uh-huh. Which doesn't help you like Matthew in any real sort of way other than, okay, you know, and, and you're perceiving her more as an underling because you don't get more of her story front loaded. Right. So I can understand why you guys are like, what? Why? Yeah. And then, yeah. And then Tamish comes in and it's like, okay, wait, he's not a trash person. Yeah. 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 It's right. like, well, with Diana, I'm um, this girl. I was just like, yeah, all right. So the line that kind of turned me off with Diana, she's like, I relied on my intellect. I'm like, you know what? I'm done with you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, did you now? (laughs) Right. The thing about that is I think Teresa made her far more approachable. I mean, just from yeah. the opening yes. sequence, did, sequences yeah. of the book and the, the yeah. bike and the <laughs> papers. I, I, she, she was more likable out of the box on the show than she was in the book. Mm-hmm. And the weird chain reaction from the Hamish, we needed that chapter. We needed chapter nine. The right. weird, it kind of like dominoes. So once I opened my mind to Matthew and Matthew's making all these observations about Diana, I started opening my mind about Diana. So initially these two characters were just just like, I'm going to stop reading now because they suck. They're terrible <laughs> characters. <laughs> so it's basically a story of two difficult characters getting together, clashing all the time. And then it's like, oh, there's more to this. There's there's way more. Yeah, like, duh, to me, right. you have magic in you. Why wouldn't you use that? That's right. stupid. Yeah. yeah, I didn't get yeah. it. <laughs> 
And here I am seven years later. <laughs> I know. I, know, right. I, know. Right. I didn't get any of it. Here I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're still trying to unpack it and understand right. it. Right. Right. Um, right. So hot, messy Matthew. Uh, I don't think, I don't know. TV viewers, if you were just with the TV and you happen to be listening to this spoilery episode, write in. Tell us how you saw Matthew. Did you see him as a mess or did you see him as put together with maybe some problems? I thought, you know? I thought TV Matthew. Honestly, he was very much bandbox perfect, Matthew. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he I, wouldn't his, have, I wouldn't have he, hated him. No. He has his moments of ultra redemption, too, like when he saves Diana in the library. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got you. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I think the, the first reference we get to Hot Mess Matthew is Marcus going, what are you doing taking her to yeah. Isabeau's? Right. But and it's all could, kind of like, it's kind of like glossed over. But that could really work to our benefit in season two, because if he does take that 180 degree turn, into the 1590s Matthew that we know he is, it's mm-hmm. going to be unmistakable. <laughs> yes. You know? and, yeah. It's you know, going to be for, an anvil moment is what it's right. going to be. Right. And the TV viewers are going to go, who's that guy? <laughs> um, well, and that's that's how I did feel in yeah. the books. Yeah. yeah. Because Hamish said he's not going to be the same person. I thought, well, how so? Well, you can find out soon enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like page, page four and you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> there <you> go. <laughs> he was a shock to a lot of people in Shadow of night, which uh, for our TV viewers will be season two or series two. Um, he was a shock. They didn't li- they couldn't believe this was coming out of their beloved Matthew. Yeah. When I'm like, you didn't see all the shit in book one? Well, Come on. And that, yeah, and that, you're in the perfect pay. Matthew bubble. There, yeah. I mean, yeah. And my and my opinion of hot mess Matthew in book one made it almost a seamless transition. I was like, uh-huh. I knew it. Um, yeah. yeah. So, it, you know, I guess it really just depends on how you approach it. Which, by the way, I, I mean, I, I dislike some of the things that Matthew does in book two, but I yes. do enjoy reading um, Matthew in Shadow of Night and oh. all that big, huge hot messness. <laughs> See, this, right. I love the hot mess of it, yeah. which is weird. I mean, people are like, oh, well, he's so this. I'm like, but that's what makes that that's what makes him such a rich character. He's, he's unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. yeah. I mean, otherwise, he would just be completely flat, you know, typical run of the mill. Yeah. Just another vampire. Vampire and another vampire book, and you know, yeah. Well, even on Deb's earlier book tours, you know, she does say a discovery of which is is the honeymoon. You know, you start dating someone, you love hockey, I love hockey, then <laughs> yep. you know, yeah. <laughs> you love hot dogs, I love hot dogs, and then all of a sudden you go saying, ah, I don't really like those yeah. kind of hot dogs, or yeah. I yep. kind of hate hockey. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, I've got a bunch of these friends, and it, right, yeah, yeah. Me and my <sighs> friends. Oh wait, they're not I, as I cool cannot... as I thought they would be. <laughs> Yeah. I cannot wait to meet them. I can't. It's going to be so great. It's going to be great. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. I, and don't get us wrong, audience. I think we all love Matthew. That's we adore thing. him. We, we do. Love him. Him. We, we love just want to shake him sometimes. Oh, God, yes. Uh-huh. If we didn't okay. love him, we wouldn't be here. But but when he makes a bad decision, we're not upset. We're not. He does not disappoint. No. Speaking for myself, I think that's where one of my small disappointments in the TV show was. I wanted to see more bad decisions. <laughs> right. I mean, we know he's capable of them. Yeah, um, I wanted yeah. to see the, the the hand through the hair. I needed that towel that like, mm. but he always seemed to have, Matthew, Matthew Goods, Matthew always seems to have the answer. He always, he's, I, I get that to make this all work for TV, it, we had to go more in that direction. But in some ways, I think it flattened out a lot of things. 
it, like his 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 interactions with Baldwin, it toned down some of Baldwin's like, are you fucking kidding me moments with him? Because you didn't have that same sort of reaction between Matthew and Baldwin that you had with Baldwin and the congregation. I think the mm-hmm. way Baldwin interacted with the congregation was probably more indicative of how Book Baldwin was interacting with Book Matthew. Yeah. Right. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, to me, I just would have liked to see that. Yeah, his, that's his, the thing. If you knew Baldwin was going through all that shit while you were reading the books, how would you, I mean, he almost lost his head. Again, that. In reading the books, I didn't know that, but I always, I, and that's why I think, I, Angela, maybe I speak for both of us. That's why we really kind of liked him right out of the box because you had a little bit more of that telegraphing of Matthew being the golden child. Yes. Uh-huh. And, and just doing stupid shit and people putting up with it. And, and Baldwin left to deal with the mess because God knows Isabel wouldn't, would just keep on indulging him and with Philippe gone. And yes. there's another thing. Mm-hmm. Baldwin was Philippe's favorite son. Mm-hmm. Matthew was Isabel's favorite son. Right. So now you have Baldwin has got nobody to take his back, man. No. So, no. And and Matthew has Isabel who will always protect him and, right. and stand up for him. So mm-hmm. there's that dichotomy too. I to me, I think another reason back to Baldwin, he's relatable is he's he's the one, it seems, in the family, like, oh well, we don't need to worry about you. You'll figure you know, you, you can you're self reliant, you can figure it out and you just sort of get ignored and then when you run up against something that maybe in in your heart of hearts you know you can't handle and you really need help you're just out there adrift his reaction is to like kind of lash out rather than internalize and, he, and he's certainly too proud to ask for help but yeah, I can't uh-huh. help but think he's got it always falls to me to hold it together and I think what, it's finally going to get to be too much and when that finally happens it's going to like be spectacular mm-hmm. yeah it's got to be exhausting to be him oh I know yeah. oh yeah 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 I mean he's just managing so much much. It's like one of these days, all those balls that are juggling are just going to, one of them's going to hit him in the head and it's going to be bad. Mm. Yeah. Well, and probably bad for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, because in situations, you know, typically when somebody's in charge and, you know, and, and they're responsible for what they perceive to be everybody. And, and in some ways he is responsible for everybody. I mean, he goes down, the whole ship goes down. Yeah. Um, you know, and unlike, uh, you know, Philippe, if you look at one versus the other, when the ship went down for Philippe, at least he had Baldwin. So really what yeah. happens, mm-hmm. who's there to pick the pieces up when when and if Baldwin yes. you know, yeah. falls, Marcus? I mean, it, 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 yeah. it's not a dig against Marcus. Uh, you know, what I'm saying is there. I don't see another... The corporate memory's not there because Godfrey's gone, Hugh is right. gone. Right. But Varen, you have women too. But Varen doesn't seem, she seems to be happy with her department. Right. She's like a department manager who's happy where she's at. Maybe Freya? Maybe. I don't know. I, I, do, I don't see Isabel cottoning to that either. I I, no. I feel like it's like, okay, so Philippe went down. Let's say Baldwin goes down. Who takes over the family? Does it go straight? I mean, it We're goes all, to the one of ladies. It goes to either Varen, Stasha, or Freya. But so, at, all, at all times, we're, we're operating with limited knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, exactly. Right. We don't know. And I mean, and would, you know, is it one of those situations where it's turned downable or do they have to do <laughs> right. it? Um, you know, we, we were, I mean, yeah, we, no I yeah. I, well, you know, I mean, if they're pretty set and, and I don't want to say 
uncomfortable, but, you know, who wants this? <laughs> you know, I mean, really, who yeah. wants this well, kind of responsibility? And, and what we do know is that Philippe had to force everybody to sit on the congregation. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're doing this job. I know nobody wants it, but you're doing it. Uh-oh. That has to be one of my favorite comments from our interview with Deb was that she said the All Souls universe is a big chessboard and we're just allowed to see what she wants us to see. Yeah. Right. But I mean, in a lot of ways, um, you know, Deb moves, you know, her pieces on the board and, and we get to see it. But so did Philippe. Um, yes. You know, they really are kind of one and the same in that way, you know, because a lot of this and, and I have to wonder, you know, everybody sees sort of the, the you know, all the pawns and the rooks and the bishops on, on the board as, you know, they're being moved around right now. But Philippe was so forward looking and so forward thinking, yes. you know, that we see Baldwin in this position of power and he's the favorite son. But for Philippe to make a maneuver like that, to put him in charge and put Matthew in charge of the KOL, I mean, he's probably looking five centuries ahead of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't see it. So I'm, I'm sure <laughs> Philippe's grand plan way back, you know, we're, we're at a certain position in that um, he probably saw it much farther down the line than, than we're viewing it. So who knows? Who knows yeah. where really any of this goes? All right. So anything else to say about Hot Mess Matthew before we move on? <laughs> Not for now. Just just we wish we saw more of it. Maybe. Yes. Maybe we'll see yeah. it more next season. So, all right, guys, stick with us after this break. We'll do last thoughts and things we cannot let go of. God, I haven't said that in a long time. Yes. <laughs> Find this show wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Contact us. We are at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, 360-519-7836. Or leave us one on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Hit us up on social media, and we are at Demons Discuss or at Demons Domain. Join our Facebook group, Demonic Discussers. The keys to get in are in the show notes. And if you're listening on your mobile device, click the description. It'll be there, too. Become a Discusser. And there are two ways to do that now. And if you're in the U.S., text A-D-O-W as an ADAL, as in a discovery of witches. So text A-D-O-W to 444 or visit com. Scroll down, fill out the form and spammer code, and that's it, your discusser. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com, to see what we're up to. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Keep Angela alive! All right. Anybody have any last thoughts? <laughs> Big sigh. Um, um, take your time. I got, oh, I'm my my last thought right now is just I can't wait to see our first hints at what's going on in season two. I was going to say that's mine too. In every ending, there is a new beginning, and we're done with the Discovery Witches and looking forward to Shadow of Night. Can't wait for our wish list episode. I know. And not only that, carrying out our chapter episodes. I can't oh wait. Gosh. I can't wait to stand in Cardiff. Yes. That. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all of us be together. That'll be fun. I'm yeah. not there yet. We have so much to do. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I have so much to do yeah. next week. Ooh, yeah. like, and I'm and I'm pretty sure patron sponsor Wendy somewhere has the countdown going. So I think that needs to be posted up soon because I lost track of how many days we have left. Oh uh, yeah, that's it, the countdown cl- um, clock. I, I will do that after we're done talking here. I'll put the countdown clock on yeah. our site because <laughs> I do that every year and I forgot mm-hmm. to do it this year. So much going on. Renee, any last thoughts? No, I mean I I'm just really so happy to finally have this TV show. Um, you know, and and it was really great because we got a book in the same kind of 
year, um, which which is just phenomenal. I, I just can't wait to see, um, you know, much like you guys, just sort of how everything starts getting put together for, for Series 2 and, and taking a look at, you know, the casting and the shooting blocks, you know, and, and that was a fun process, you know, heading in the in the Season 1, um, which was, oh, well, so-and-so is on set for, you know, shooting block, you know, 1 and 2 this, you know, week or whatever, and, and sort of getting to go through that process again because it's like that's a late gratification you know it's like you wait for it wait for it wait for it wait for it it's finally here and now you're like all right we're gonna do this again um (laughs) you know and and thankfully a little quicker this time uh than last time so but it'll it's a it's a fun ride it's a fun ride and i enjoy it and yeah that's that's kind of my last thoughts I mean, I always have a lot of thoughts. We just don't have all day. Never really a last one, though. No, yeah, yeah. yeah because I'll hop on this. Yeah, you know, I'll hop off of this, and you know, half an hour from now, I'll be walking around the house and go, "Crap! I should have said." Yes. yes. So, like that would have been a much better last thought. Um, I think uh, some sometimes our after shows are nothing but last thoughts that we just yeah. remembered. Just, just one By more the thing. way, will you stick with us for our after show, Renee? Why not? All right. Yay! Why not? I've, I've had a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun. <laughs> I've had a lot of fun, too. All right. So I have last thoughts, but not to do with the story, not to do with the books, not to do with the TV show. It's just us. This is brought to you by our ego. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Guys, in the last month, we've had 10,000 downloads. Oh, my God. That is huge. That is amazing. Oh, the scary. That is amazing. <laughs> For 15 listeners, you guys were sure pushing play a lot. <laughs> <laughs> from a lot of di- from a lot of different computers it's like yeah okay so do you want to know how many countries listen to us yes, yes. 47 <gasps> Who did and, and didn't you say Ke- Kenya found a friend yes oh there's my two God. listeners in Kenya now thank you Kenya, Kenya. <laughs> talk amongst yourselves yourselves to talk amongst now oh gosh so thank you for listening to us That I really appreciate that and uh, I'm sure our media host appreciates it too because they're a new guy on the block. Pippa! Yay! <laughs> if you guys ever want to start a podcast and know they're not paying me to say this, go with Pippa. I mean, oh my God, what a great service. They've really done great things for us. They put us on Spotify right away. They've signed us up to so many things. Yes. So our podcast can reach out to all of you all over the world. So, ah, oh, that was great. Yes, we love you, so Simon. Good. <laughs> so good for our ego. So lovely. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, okay. So, and discussers, you're going to be hearing from us a lot more. Okay. I did explain why we put that whole discusser thing on pause, but now we're headed back into our normal rhythm. So rereading. So, okay. Our next episode will be in a fortnight and that's going to be the last of our TV series. And then we will pick up chapter reviews. So we're back to our fortnightly schedule. You will get our public show every other week. And for those of you who stuck around for the TV show and you want to read the books, I will put a link in the show notes to all of our other chapter episodes so you can catch up to where we're at. If you don't mind listening to baby podcasters years ago, (laughs) trying to fumble around their microphones. So you can do that and you can join us even if if you've already read the series and you just want to pick up where we left off, we're going to be picking up with chapter 23 of Shadow of Night. And that's after the wishlist episode. So 
just so you know how our programming goes. And if you're going to miss us once a week, you can always become a patron. $2 a month, you'll have us every week. You know, you'll get like a week of nonsense talking. Well, it's not really nonsense. We talk about our lives and <laughs> some all souls yeah. and some other stuff. But then we'll get the chapter episode the, the week potpourri. after that. The potpourri. So there's that. So if you'd like to become a patron, patreon.com slash demons discuss. And also, here's another last thought. I have all the last thoughts. If you like our episodes, write us a review. Please. We love them. And that's another ego thing, too. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> See, that one I relate to. That one keeps me alive. But the other one, you're like, we have 1,500,000 downloads. I'm like, is that good? I don't know. <laughs> so, write us a review. And also, go visit the All Souls discussion group. I know, Renee, I'm giving you a headache. Okay. Visit Mod Renee. And we'll put a link to the All Souls discussion group in the show notes as well. I will let the moderators know to expect the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I have. Anybody else have anything else? No. Last minute things. Yeah. No? All right. Going once, going twice. Sold. <laughs> all right. So let's say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye everybody. Demon kiss. And we'll talk to you in a fortnight. Yay. Yay. <laughs> 